Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com odyssey. A note of warning, this podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and includes strong language. It therefore may not be suitable for our young listeners or other folks who may find it disturbing. Hello and welcome to True Crime Daily, the podcast for the week of April 12th, 2019. Uh, I'm Owen Michael. I'm Billy Jensen. Uh, this week we're going to talk about crowd solving and uh, various ways to yes. uh, solve a murder if if so you lucky. if you are so inclined mm-hmm. there are ways that ordinary citizens can actually help solve murders and particularly the true crime daily community which again is the largest uh, facebook community and the most active facebook community um, a lot of people like to go on there and make funny comments but a lot of people want to make comments and want to share stories that uh, have to do with missing persons have to do with um, information wanted and that's just sort of the tip of the iceberg for when it comes to what I like to call crowd solving. Mm-hmm. It's uh, one of the, the many resources here. Billy's a bit of a uh, expert in the field. And uh, we're going to talk about one particular case that uh, you solved recently. Which is this last year? No, this was this, two this years ago. Two this years is ago what now. brought me on the Time journey. Flies. Yeah. So I had been a a sort of uh, an expert in these crowdsourcing and citizen detective type people. I wrote a story about Maura Murray and the citizen detectives trying to find her for Boston Magazine. I, mm-hmm. wrote, a, I wrote a story for Rolling Stone about the, uh, the citizen detectives trying to track down the kitten killer, Luca Magnata. And uh, I eventually became very fed up once I, uh, I, you know, writing stories on my own for 17 years with no endings because I only wrote about unsolved stories. Uh, until I got into this and I kind of came up with a system on how to solve murders myself. And it came it came up um, in a dark night, but it was a, a, a video from your area, your hometown of Chicago, that kind of thrust me into this. Uh, so crowd solving, I think before I met you, I hadn't heard the the term i've heard crowdsourcing of course mm-hmm. which is uh you know something that's been developed over the last 10 or almost 20 years yeah. now um is this a term that you kind of coined yourself or i think are you i did i don't off? know i'm sure um 
maybe it was out there in the ether, Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, crowd solving, you know, it's a crowdfunding, crowd sourcing, crowd solving. So, so there was one, uh, you know, the kind of the tipping point was I was uh, looking for, when I can't sleep, I look for unsolved murders on YouTube. And I saw this video of a case that was going on in Chicago in the River North area. Mm-hmm. And this guy, it was pretty clear video of a guy being attacked and then uh, trying to run away from another gentleman. He turns back around for some reason and then the guy clocks him really, really hard in the face. He falls into a uh, the crosswalk. Mm-hmm. Then the guy who attacked him, there, you know, people crowded around this guy and the guy that attacked him yells at everybody and everybody leaves. And a, a minute later, a cab, not knowing he's there, drives over his body and kills him. This is about uh, 9 or 10 o'clock at night, is that right? No, no, no this is like 3 a.m. Yeah. So it's it's nighttime, it's late uh, for anybody. Uh, River North is sort of, um, it's a, it's kind of a nightlife hotspot in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, familiar, it's big with tourists. It's also big with uh, young urban professionals and people going out uh, around how did you find this video? Was this uh, put out by like the Tribune? Or no, was it was some civilian. It was, yeah, or? it was put out by the 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 family had you know um, put it out, and the lawyer had put it out for the family because no nobody was doing anything. The cops weren't doing anything. So I saw the video, and then I saw a a video of the press conference where his cousin, who was really like his sister, because his parents and this guy, the victim's name was Marcus Gaines. Mm-hmm. His parents had died very early on in his life. He went to go live with his aunt and his sister, who really like his mom, and, and a cousin who's really like his mom. And this sister. is a Drexina. Drexina, yeah. Uh-huh. So I contacted Drexina. I said, listen, I've got an idea, uh, because I was wondering why haven't the police found this guy? It was really clear video. Even though it was up high, why have they not found this attacker? And there was actually two parts of the video. One was color, one was black and white, and it was grainy. And I said, uh, have the police talked to you at all? And I've done this before. I talked to a lot of victims' families. Mm-hmm. And they said no. And I said, well, you know what? Let's, l- let me try this thing. It's not going to cost you anything. I'm going to put my own money behind it. And I set up a Facebook page. I set up a Twitter page specifically for this. And I, I did it in the, in the voice of the puncher. I called him the River North Puncher. Mm-hmm. And I got a screen grab of the guy's face. And tried to get as many screen grabs as I could and also ran the video trying to find anybody who might recognize this guy. I noticed that he had really bright shoes. It looked like he wasn't sort of a street person. Mm-hmm. Also, another thing, too, when he punches him and he falls down and he's out, he's completely out. Two guys ran across the, across the street and rifled through his pockets and actually took, mm-hmm. took his phone and everything. So. Whether this was, you know, they were waiting for that to happen um, or it was a coordinated Oppor- a- attack or something like that or, or opportunist yeah, or whatever. Knows. But this is what was going on in this area. So I I beg, borrow and steal trying to get this in front of as many people as possible. And through a seri- wild series of events, somebody sends me a, 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 a um, an image and it says, I hope this helps. And it's a straight on shot of the guy. And I was blown away. And I said, did you make that? I thought maybe the person like did some 3D modeling and made it from mm-hmm. the that shot from overhead. And I'm trying to talk to this guy and he's not writing me back. And I'm trying to talk to him on Twitter. Because the source material you had been dealing with up to this point was strictly surveillance yeah. stuff from, from, as you say, above and from far away. Mm-hmm. Very grainy. All of a sudden you have uh, uh, not quite high resolution, but you yep. have a full on face shot. Yeah. And um, eventually he finally writes me back and he says, and I'm trying to find out, 
were you there? Did you listen to the guy? Did he have an accent? Did he, what was the fight about? Anything along those lines. But then he says, you know what? Uh, he finally writes back and he says, my friend was there. He sent us this video and the video is chilling. So I open it up and I see the first thing that I see is Marcus Gaines lying in mm-hmm. the crosswalk. This is a Snapchat video. This is a Snapchat video. Yeah. yeah. And then it pans up. And then the, the man who was wearing a green hoodie, and I call him the man with the green hoodie, is walking straight at me. And I'm looking at his going, I can't believe it. Somebody actually was there and somebody videotaped this. Mm-hmm. So I now I had a front-facing shot of what this guy looked like. And luckily, Cook County has um, – they put all of their, That's right. their mug shots up online, right. which is turned into sort of a racket because you see it with the, some of these companies. They'll start – a website and they'll put your mugshot up there. Mm-hmm. And if you want it to take it down, you'll have to say, even if you're like presumed innocent, even if you're innocent of the charge, they still keep your, your mugshot up right. there. And you're and they say, and, Hey, do you want, yeah. Right. And it comes up in Google searches. Right. And then you have to say, uh, you know, can you take this down? And they'll say, yeah, you take it down for 300 bucks. Right. Yeah. You know, right. It's a bit so of a, a racket. It's a bit of a racket. So, but I went through all of these and the guy had a very distinctive feature. He had this widow's peak. Mm-hmm. So I went through all the thousands of mugshots and I had a, a, a couple people helping me just going through all of these mugshots. A widow's peak, by the way, uh, we should say, just in case you're not familiar with yes. that term, is when you sort of have a kind of that pointy thing, uh, your, your hairline kind of points into your into your forehead. Kind of like Dracula. Forehead, or like Dracula, exactly. Or mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson, perhaps. Or Jack Nicholson, perhaps, right. yes. So. I finally found three gentlemen that, that could be it. One guy looked a little bit too old. One guy looked a little bit too short. And one guy could have been a little too tall. It was literally like that. But um, mm-hmm. I did research on each person, and then I found the Facebook page of one of the guys who I thought was too tall. And sure enough, he, he, he had the widow's peak. He had everything. It looked good. You were pouring through public records, going through. Yeah. Just... Yeah, and I think you said you had split it up with one other person. One other person, but, yeah. But uh, you're literally going through, what, thousands of... Thousands of uh, pictures. Thousands of thousands bug shots. Of shots, yeah. Looking, uh, doing the, the, the shoe leather detective work. Yeah, there. so... And, and I narrowed actually, it down to three people. I narrowed it down to three people. That's I went a, and I got... I took the effort. pictures. I knew... I thought it was probably this guy named Marcus Moore. I went to Chicago, and I wanted to walk the street at night. Mm-hmm. And I went to the first guy, who was in valet. He didn't know him. Went to this bouncer. He said, oh, I don't recognize the guy. And I went to this next, a, like a, a homeless gentleman uh, who looked probably like he was homeless, came up to me. And I showed him. I was like, do you recognize this guy? And he said, oh, yeah, that's Big Dummy. Real name Marcus. And I went, holy shit. Disco. This is it. This is it. So then I went around to talking with more people. I found out more stuff. And unfortunately, you know, this is what you get with some sort of some crowdsourcing and crowd solving is that I send all the information. I create this entire dossier with all the information about this guy named Marcus Moore. I did a um, background check on him. I had his entire rap sheet, sent it to the police. Police just say, thank you. That's it. Did they say thank you? Did they, yeah, they said, thank they, you. Acknowledge they acknowledge it? getting okay. it. Yeah. They said, thank you. Mm-hmm. So I'm waiting and I know the guy skipped town and I know that he's actually in Minnesota because you're following his Facebook. I'm following his Facebook profile and he's, he's having, he's, a, he's having a good old time. He's right out there in, in the yep. open. He's getting into relationships and his relationship status is changing everything. Mm-hmm. He's saying that he's in New York, but, um, you know, he says his, where his location is, his Holbrook, New York, but I know he's in Minnesota cause his brother lives in Minnesota and he had taken a picture of himself with a Minnesota, um, uh, work truck in the background. And he also started dating a girl from Minnesota. And I was like, he's in Minnesota. So I sent all that information to the police as well. 
uh, finally we're able to, you know, and I'm like calling it the alderman. I'm calling like anybody mm-hmm. in Chicago to get them to, to act on this. Because if there's no warrant, even if he gets picked up on another charge in Minnesota, they're not going to do anything. They're not going to know that he's wanted for this. Right. So they finally get a warrant out for him. And then, um, you know, probably five months later, after after I first identified him, they the U.S. Marshals got involved. They found him in Minnesota and they brought him back to to Illinois for trial. This and, stuff is, is not even necessarily high tech. I mean, you're doing you're looking at photos with a Minnesota license plate in the background. Or, yeah. a, or I think it was a logo. It was a logo. A, a yeah. Logo for like a mm-hmm. municipal type of thing. You know, sometimes you see this stuff on TV with the, the you know, the procedurals. They get kind of high tech on this stuff, but really, if you're just scouring, yeah. the, the no, the the, 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 the thing is out there, and that's what I like to talk about is that for people who want to do this, um, particularly for for uh, individuals, but also for law enforcement, that the information is out there, mm-hmm. and people are sharing the information. You just got to go out and grab it. Not to mention the fact that the other way that I use um, use the system is that I buy geo-targeted advertising. Right. So if um, if a murder happens in a specific location, and I have a good picture of the person. I will buy. I will spend five hundred dollars to find to target, you know, every sort of, if I think like a female might know him, every female from 25 to 54 in this area um, within, a, within a one mile radius. Right. And I can hit so many people. So Facebook does allow you Facebook, to, to, well, to, well, the, to for, drill if you, down that If much. you pay them, that's why Facebook is such a, in, such a huge company. Um, this guy's profile was public. Yeah. Which it was a bit of serendipity there because if it hadn't been for that, mm-hmm. you might have been able to glean one or two things, but there was all this. Yeah. And he was almost sort of boastful about some of the the things that he was posting, not about the not about the murder, not about the assault, but just, you know, here's me living my life, mm-hmm. vaping, I'm, yeah. you know, doing my thing. And, you know, and that's what do. when I when I delivered the information to Drexina and um, and her mom. And showed her his Facebook page, you know, and first when she saw the video, because I couldn't email her the video, I had to do it in in person because it was the last image of of Mm -hmm. her loved one. And it was it was emotional for me. I can't imagine it was was it was for her. You know, she was just like, he's just a big bully. I mean, first she turned away, but then she was just like, he's just a big bully. The second thing is I showed him the Facebook page and it's just like, and he was still around. He wasn't arrested at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, this guy's out there. And he's just like, she's like, he's just out there living his life. Like not a care in the world when my love, you know, my, my cousin, really my brother is dead. The thing I was struck with as well is that this information is out there. Uh, granted, Chicago in particular of cities among cities is dealing with a, a heck of a caseload uh, yeah. of murders and and violent crimes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, that's definitely true. This type of case, though, I was surprised because the location of River North is such a uh, it's, it's, it's it goes b- between professionals working between suburbanites drinking and going out yeah. and browsing and tourists and all that kind of thing. I mean, this is a, a heavily traveled popular neighborhood uh you know it's it's not a, but, a bad part yeah. of town or anything like that you would have thought that there would be a more investigation but also more just awareness yeah it seemed like nobody knew anything yeah this, well the, the this, this you know i think they really figured that the, the it's such it's such a different place having been there during the day and having been there at night during the day it's very vibrant there's there's business people walking around there's also mm-hmm. tourists walking around harry carrie's bar is right near mm-hmm. there there's cafes a ton of bars right. a lot of cafes ton of bars once it hits you know it's a great neighborhood. 8 p.m 9 p.m it starts to change and especially once you're hitting 3 p 3 a.m mm-hmm. when the bars have gotten out 
and you know the 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 people from the street kind of take over and the that they're the only people there so there is the the only businesses that were open was the 711 which is where this kind of got sparked and then it it ran into the street but there was actually a lot of people out there on the street uh right and we you know like you said Marcus Gaines was this is at 3 a.m. after the bars close this is a 7-Eleven. He was just buying some snacks or something. He was buying, like that, a, pair, that buying a bag of chips. Minding, minding his own business. Mm-hmm. And, uh, th- you know, the, the surveillance video doesn't show. It shows what's happening, but yeah. you know, there's no there's no sound. But apparently this was what right at the doorway. Right at the doorway. There's some sort of altercation. This altercation, guy has a chip yeah. on his and shoulder. He, and he walked away, too. And he did what you're supposed to do. You yeah. Just don't walk engage. away. Don't engage. But for some reason, he kind of looks. He knows the guy's chasing him, and he looks back. And the guy's definitely bigger than him. And when I walk the scene, you know, the punch was, was, and you could, you could see the punch and we'll put it up on our, our Facebook page mm-hmm. and, um, and on the, on the site, you can see the punch and the punch was devastating, but it was even more devastating because he's a big guy. He's six, four, probably two thirty, two forty. 40, Marcus Mores. He was also going on a down, and I, I didn't realize this, but he was going on a down slope. You know how the, 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 uh, the sidewalk slopes down mm-hmm. so uh, to get into the crosswalk. So he's going down with all of his weight onto the guy's face, and then and then yeah. Marcus Gaines just crumples. This is sort of a, a, they call this an MMA, a Superman punch kind of a thing, which is accelerated by that kind of an angle. So, yeah, and let's not uh, mess around either. People can get knocked out pretty easily. Yeah. You know, street fights in real life are no joke. They're not charming. They're not cute. They're horrifying because, uh, you know, one punch can take somebody yeah. out. And then when somebody falls and hits their head on the concrete, yep. it's killed people. Yeah. We've, we've, you know, yeah. And he was, like and this. he was even, he was out before he hit the ground. Right. Yeah. And then on top of that, uh, so I haven't seen that part of the video is it that the cab driver just didn't see a dark figure in the roadway, what, or was yeah. it because there was so many people? Around no, there wasn't there a lot mailing. of people around him. Everybody had left because he had kind of terrorized the people to go away. So there was nobody really that was around him. Mm-hmm. And then one cab driver kind of went around him, and the other cab driver, because there was a cop behind them trying to get to the scene, was telling the cab driver to move. So the cab driver was trying to get out of the way of the cop, and then he he goes just right on top of his chest. Uh, right the the Snapchat chest. video that you got also featured him threatening yeah. uh, the guy on the ground saying, get up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, using a, an expletive. And uh, that apparently was said in such a threatening manner that everybody's, whoa. Yeah, I, th- is, I think it, nobody wants news. to be around this guy. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, you know, there was a bit of a, you know, you, the, I was reminded a little bit of like the Kitty Genovese scenario where mm-hmm. uh, that old case where this woman was being murdered in a um, in a Brooklyn? New York City. It was might have been Queens. I don't know. Mm-hmm. In a New York City apartment. And apparently 37 people heard it, but nobody called the police. That number was inflated, but people definitely did hear it. Yeah. And the idea of the bystander and it's not my problem, it's somebody else's problem. Um, but. I didn't want to go into any of that. I just wanted to solve the crime and find the guy. So, Incidentally, have you ever called 911? Yes. Uh, for something like this? I've called 911. Not for this. I've called 911 for drunk drivers. Guys, the guys that were weaving and things like that. Yeah. I called 911 once for a... Uh, it wasn't a hit and run. It was just some guy got hit out in the street in front mm-hmm. of me. Uh, which can be, a little, yeah. it, it can be a little intimidating. Yeah. If you've never called 911, I'd never done it. And I dialed it and it was sort of, wow, you know, this is kind of, it's a little freaky. Well, it's, well, it's something that you've, when you call 911, it's something that all you've heard is something on TV. So and, it's, well, 911, what is your emergency? And it's like, oh shit, is yeah, this exactly. an emergency? And the yeah. circumstances are usually high stress enough or, or, or um, traumatic enough that you're already sort of dealing with that. So I get that 
it can be a potentially intimidating thing, yeah. but uh, you know, don't be afraid to report things, especially yeah. these days, because uh, that's how that can make the the difference. Yeah. No. So I mean, that was so that was the first case that I solved, and it was the first one that I really tried using crowd solving for, and I solved it. And then there was a series of mega defeats. I was able to help solve or help solve ten so far, and. Uh, you know what I, I I kind of got to a point where it's like I can't, just can't keep doing this by myself. A because I've spent twenty five thousand dollars of my own money buying these these Facebook campaigns, but B you know particularly you want to show people, hey, you guys can do this yourself. So. And this sort of has the trifecta. You've got uh, you had Twitter involved, which originally Facebook was sort of the 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 baseline for all the information, the clearinghouse, all the resources there. Then you get put the information out the to Twitter, use a little bit of networking mm-hmm. to get it in front of some people in the area there and people that have uh, some reach. And then you get that tip from Twitter and the tip yeah. t- uh, leads to Snapchat. So, yeah. I mean, these are the three of the biggest uh, social media outlets mm-hmm. there are. Yeah, the only thing that was missing was Instagram. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, Instagram, Facebook, it's, it's all Zuckerberg. Yeah. Um, but uh, so... If you can do it, sort of anybody can do it if you put the time and effort and, and the research into it. And you follow and everybody. you follow the rules. You don't as soon as I got the name and one of the biggest problems that you see and we saw this in the Boston Marathon bombing was people naming names. This is a great point. Because it can backfire. And I, I go over the rules in the book where I talk about you don't name names in public. As soon as you get a name, I didn't put Marcus Moore out there on the Facebook page mm-hmm. or, or comment on a news story. You'd send it to the detectives. You know, I went the step further and made sure it was him. But um, you don't name names in public. You don't even give the name to the or the information to the family either. You well, give you would, it to the, the investigator. You had taken pains to compile, as you said, all of the stuff in one neat package, mm-hmm. uh, which is the way to do it rather than the piecemeal thing. As you talk about in the book, the Boston marathon bombing i remember i was uh, covering that uh, at a local news station here uh online and we were getting just watching the stuff in real time on twitter and on facebook and there were so many people reacting i know this guy or, yeah. or check out this guy he looks uh, he looks suspicious and a couple of those things really rose to the top and they misidentified a couple of people they misidentified well there were there were two really bad things one is that they were everybody was going through and when when the boss marathon bombing happened i had been in the middle of working on maybe the rolling stone story i forgot which one it was rolling stone or, or Maura murray and i said this could be the big moment for crowd mm-hmm. solving so and i was watching and i was watching it unfold and i was watching the mistakes that were being made and the first one was that on reddit you know there was a uh, reddit bureau of investigation and then there was a subreddit find find the bombers mm-hmm. And they started looking at pictures, which is what I was because there were so many people taking pictures there. Sure. They started looking at people with backpacks, big, large backpacks that were sagging, and then they were circling them. And, oh, he might have a, a walkie-talkie. So they're circling these backpacks. But this is a Reddit group. New York Post took that and then put it on their front cover. So that was, that was the first bad thing that happened. The second bad thing was... They, there was a, um, a kid by the name of Sunil Tripathi from Brown University who had gone missing a couple months earlier. And they, he looked a little bit like one of the bombers. And mm-hmm. they started saying, you know, once they had the images of the bombers, but they didn't know who they were, people started saying, what about this guy? Is it this guy? And they really dragged this, this kid's poor family through the mud. He was found dead later, but um, it looked like it was an apparent suicide. He had nothing to do with any of this. Mm-hmm. So... That those were the two big problems with it, and the thing that people throw against crowd solving 
But there were two things, actually, that the crowd did do well. When they, when they released the first video of the two bombers walking through the crowd, the tall guys in the front, the short guy that was on the cover of the Rolling Stone with the, with the curls, uh, it was in the back. They show uh, the, he, one of the tall guys wearing a hat. Mm-hmm. Reddit identified the hat within five minutes. Mm-hmm. It was a Bridgestone golf hat. Uh-huh. So they got it right away. Like mm-hmm. not even. The, I remember the, the photo was pretty grainy. Yeah. but they figured out. How the F- that yeah, the FBI didn't worked. even. Know. So it's like as yeah. soon as you got that hat, then you can go and say, "Well, who has that hat?" You know, and then it's that's an identifiable thing. Another thing is, is that there were as many photos that were taken that day. There were no photos of them like leaving the scene of the crime, but somebody went through all of these photos on Facebook and mm-hmm. got a really clear image of bomber number two, the younger guy, the younger yeah. guy leaving the scene of the crime. Right. And um, those were two things that were, were big, you know, and so the crowd can help as long as you follow those rules. Uh, also, this is Boston, small town. Uh, we talked about Boston a little bit. They're not, it's not quite London level, but there are a lot of cameras uh, mm-hmm. on the streets and that kind of thing. Um, what do you think about, you know, a big case like this, you know, there's privacy issues and that kind of thing, but uh, investigators of the FBI immediately releasing sort of the the the, the cache of of surrounding film, or excuse me, uh, footage right. to the public. Uh, like I say, I realize there's privacy issues and, and there could be all sorts of challenges to that, but do you have an opinion about that? Well, for a case that was that big, I, I'm all for releasing everything, mm-hmm. you know, um, just so you get as many eyes on it, particularly not so much for that case because it was a terrorism case. You didn't know if it was a foreign, uh, foreign faction, if it was local, whatever. They had enough people on that. They had enough people looking at all those images. When you have a case like the Marcus Moore case, putting those images out there was so much more important because this case doesn't get solved without me looking at it. So, uh, you know, putting out those images is so important because especially in a place like Chicago where there are so many murders and there's only so few detectives. It's not a matter of, um, you know, trying to show up the detectives. It's a matter of resources. There are just not many we have 5,000 unsolved murders in America every year. That's 220,000 since 1980. How are we going to solve those? It's not like we have 5,000 more detectives every year. It doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. We don't get more detectives. Mm-hmm. The only way that that number is going to go down is two things. It's one is if the detectives um, start using civilians and start having a, a dialogue with them. And if they um, start using you know familial DNA and... Um, start, you know, uh, in the same way that we were able to catch the Golden State Killer. And also, we have to get rid of this whole idea that, that saying something about a crime and giving information about the crime the is snitching wrong. Culture is, this uh, this yeah, stop snitching culture. I, I agree. Which is the reason why our success rate in 1990 to solve murders was 90%. That was the clearance rate, 90% in 1960, and it is about 60, I think it's dropped to 61% I mean, today. in the 90s and rap culture and that kind of stuff, sort of, uh, that's where the, the, the and term I get comes it. from. Yeah, and it's part of the reason. That's specific to a particular neighborhood but, and but a particular part of the reason is, is that if that you don't kind of trust the police, and the poli- if the police do a bad thing, there's ripple effects. So if police, and they certainly, police can do bad things, mm-hmm. and they have done bad things. If they do a bad thing in a neighborhood, if they shoot an unarmed civilian in a neighborhood, if they're just running roughshod, if they're doing um, frisks and, and things like that, it's it, it. This is all a circle. It's not just they're doing this one thing over here, and that means that that the the murders won't get solved over there. Mm-hmm. If they're doing that, there's then there's been there's been I t- actually talk about this. There are there was a study shown that because of of them shooting an unarmed civilian, the calls to nine one one go down. Mm-hmm. 
Because nobody wants to, because there's this trust issue. So the calls to 911 go down, the calls to Crime Stoppers go down, everything goes down because of that. And in our interconnected age and all the, the cliche of all that, if this thing happens in Sacramento or Chicago or something along those lines, it also gets into the mass consciousness about, uh, you know, there's a distrust element yes. there that is beyond just the neighborhood where this used to be local because of the proliferation of social media and internet and everything else. There's also the case here going down this road is we need more cameras everywhere which mm -hmm. is a double-edged sword uh you know we talk about london there's a lot of for and against uh, comments about this i think seattle is another uh, town yeah. like that um so there are calls you know putting police surveillance cameras sort of public city surveillance cameras at every corner and every you know 100 feet or so on uh on streets a lot of privacy advocates have problems with that. I definitely see that uh, that's that can be very intrusive. But, yeah. uh, uh, you know, this is sort of the state of the art of where we're at. We have the technology yeah. to do that stuff. It does help uh, solve crimes, particularly and, in and London. And in London, you know, London, London is having a rash of knife murders. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not allowed to carry a gun right. in London, uh, in, in all of England, which is the reason why their murder rate is so freaking low. Sure. But also, you're not allowed to carry a... Uh, the only knives you're allowed to carry are kind of like Swiss Army knives, ones that mm -hmm. don't lock. Like pocket knives. Uh, uh, but not even pocket knives. Yeah. They, can't, they can't lock. Gotcha. So, um, but there have been a rash, and when I say a rash, it's nothing like we've we've seen in any of our cities, but there have been people that are being stabbed, but they're finding who they're who who they are pretty quickly because there are so many cameras, and they're cameras that are run by the state and they're interconnected. So a lot of times when you do a camera call for different uh, places, it's like oh that 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 uh, bodega has a camera, and that guy has a camera, and that bank has a camera. They don't sync up. Right. They, their, their, their time codes are different. Everything is different. It's a lot harder to do when you have cameras that are controlled by the city. They're all in one system and they're all. It's an up. agency situation. Uh, again, though, that's a little big brothery. It and, is a little uh, big brothery. You know, I understand set, that. It sets off some alarm bells. So there's a. It's a. It's a topic worth discussing, um, because in this particular Marcus. Uh, Marcus. Marcus Gaines uh, case. Gaines, you know. uh, Cases. I mean, those were th that was That's a because of that. It was a business. It was a, from the Seven Eleven, and then it was a traffic cam. Mm -hmm. That was that cams. was above. That um, was above. I, I imagine it was a traffic cam. It was at least a city cam because it was above there like mm -hmm. that. So yeah, yep. So there you go. But you can, you can. Uh, ordinary people can help. They can solve these things. And I kind of feel like we're getting into true crime 2.0. That's the reason why I wrote the book because it's it's entering. We've been watching and listening to all of these uh, true crime stories for five years, six years since Serial came out. Now's the time to put all of that, that and some information of the, to good use. Some of these, uh, there are some, maybe not high profile cases, but there are some cases that are being solved by people like yourself or family members or somebody mm -hmm. uh, indirectly related that is, just doesn't want to give up the Allenstown yeah. 4 type of thing that's not solved yep. yet, but uh, that's championed by a particular person. Mm -hmm. uh, this, this is a good trend. Yes. Citizen detectives. It is a good trend. So. Um, I wonder whether law enforcement uh, has an opinion. I suppose that's agency to agency. It's, it is agency to agency. Some of them love it, and some of them love me as soon as I help them with it and help them with the solve. And I've had good, uh, um, you know, especially there's this case that I was working on with this uh, murder fugitive in Mexico that was uh, a great relationship between me and the detective. Mm -hmm. Some of them uh, just say, yeah, whatever, and... Um, 
you know, there's but a distrust just, of yeah. journalists and there's a distrust of. Yeah, uh, but I don't even go in as a journalist. I go in as a victim's advocate, but at least I tell them I'm a journalist so that they, they know at least I'm I'm not somewhat I responsible. Have, I, have, or you have, I have somewhat of a code and, and yeah. some skills and some uh, skills. And this yeah. kind of thing, which is uh, I can imagine they're somewhat pushback, you know, a bunch of amateur people out there doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. However, it seems to me that having more resources rather than less mm-hmm. uh, is usually going to be a good thing when when it comes to solving these things. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, wanna... Yeah. So I've made you this. So the book is only available on Audible and it comes out. It's already out, actually, but uh, came out yesterday. But I made you this. This is an actual album. Wow. Vinyl of the book Chase Darkness with Me. There you go. Uh, it's called Chase Darkness with Me. Yeah. How one true crime writer started solving murders by Billy Jensen. Uh, this is also on Audible. When does this uh, Audible original? It's out. Right, it's out. Now. It's out right now. Yeah, it so came out check yesterday. It out. Yeah. Chase Darkness with Me. Yeah, and then you got the back too, and I did it like an album cover. This is that. fantastic. Uh, I appreciate this. I'm. Uh, I think the only. I think I've got a Fisher Price turntable at home. You can play uh, on a Fisher Price turntable. St- that, yeah, uh, it's not everybody else though. To... Owen is the only one that gets this because I'm very close to Owen. So he's. Like, <laughs> but every, everybody else, you have to order it on Audible. This is uh, yeah. yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You're I actually don't know if I will listen to this because I feel like this is going to be a collector's item. In it probably decade, will. And in the sealed cover here, uh, this could pay for my retirement or my let's, child's uh, uh, college education. Let's hope so. When is that child coming? By it's, the way, uh, it's. Uh, to be determined. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you for that. Yes. And uh, like I say, uh, go check it out on Audible. Chase Darkness with me by Billy Jensen. Uh, so, so we yeah. will be back because uh, the reason why we had to do this one is because I'm on a uh, little mini book tour. So, um, But we will be back with fresh uh, true crime news. It's true. Every week, Friday. Every Friday. Um also, if you have thoughts or feelings or comments or questions about uh, this particular topic, we do have uh, a call-in number. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, call us up. You can uh, talk to us at 888-548-9758. Uh, be advised your recording may be used on the air in any of our future podcasts. But this particular topic, I think people may have some opinions or some comments okay. about it uh, or even some questions. And particularly, uh, you know, the True Crime Daily community is so big. And and reaches so many people, uh, not only on Facebook but also on um, uh, on YouTube. And there yeah, are there's a, there's a lot of videos that we have on YouTube that are still unsolved. That yes. uh, we do get tips, and we continue to get tips, and we funnel them to um, the police. And some of them are people that might know certain certain uh, uh, people in the video or whatever. But, you know, we continue to get them. So keep those tips coming in. That's right. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, we, we have this content on YouTube. We have it on Facebook, uh, truecrimedaily.com, uh, truecrimedaily on uh, Twitter as well. Uh, if you like this, uh, don't forget to download our weekly podcast. Uh, it's on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And uh, once again, if you want to call and leave a comment or a question, 888-548-9758. And recording may be used on the air. That's right. Uh, We'd love to hear from you, so give us a call. That's right. And until next week, this is True Crime Daily telling you... Don't do crimes. See you next week. (laughs)